Welcome to the Lone Star Play podcast, where we sit, eat, chat, and repeat. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong, and we are joining you from a very special place. We are in Islington, it's in North London, and we're at the very first certified organic pub in London. Very excited and have some very special guests today. But before we get to that, let me just get this out of the way. The Lone Star Play podcast is produced by Texas Real Food. Make sure you go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for local restaurants, stores, butchers, farmers markets, and more who are using organic, fresh, artisanal, and local sources. It's a fun site that brings all natural options all together. So, my guest today, very special guest, I've got Matthew Sherwood from Factual America Podcast. Thank you, Matthew. Howdy. I've got Ben Sauerborn from In the Kitchen with Chef Ben, also on the Texas Real Food Network. Very excited to have him. And Sebastian Sauerborn, the main man right here running the show. So we're all here today, guys. Glad to have you. We're at the name of the bar. Gosh, I should get that out of the way, guys. That'd be nice to know. This is so British, too. So I'm just going to really focus on this, guys. The most British pub name you could ever imagine. Ready? Duke of Cambridge. Come on, it sounds made up. I mean, it just that, that's not even real. Uh, but that's the actual name. And honestly, if you, if you could see it, it looks like a Duke lives in here. I mean, it's very regal and I, I don't know. It just uh, feels very British in here to me. Um, so I love it. It's awesome. Super excited. We're going to have some great food. And um, yeah, just talk about what they do here. So Sebastian, that would be actually the first thing we could get to is you know, what makes this Duke of Cambridge special, right? Like, what do they do here with their food? Yeah, that's a very good question. So I, I chose this location because uh, Duke of Cambridge is owned by Riverford Farms, which is a uh, rather large um, organic farm in the south of London, or really multiple farms together. So today Riverford Farms is owned actually by the employees of the company. The owner sold it recently um, uh, to all the employees rather than selling it uh, for, uh, to investors, for example. He is still involved uh, in the business um, that he founded, um, but now it's an employee-owned enterprise. And there's our beer coming, yeah. So Boom, we got some pints showing up, guys. This is, what's the name of this pint, Sebastian, what did we order? Oh, these are Hells, which is a local uh, brewery. Nice. Not, sorry. No. Uh, I'm, I'm being corrected, <laughs> so I'm, I'm not right. So. We just got the no from the waiter. <laughs> He's like, nah, that's not it. Uh, going back to Riverford and Duke of Cambridge. So, uh, so yeah, Duke of Cambridge on the Riverford Farms. The main business of Riverford Farms is they have a big box scheme. I think they send out 70,000 boxes a month. Holy cow! Uh, the, the owner, uh, who used to be the owner, the founder, is a guy called Guy Watson. His wife is uh, called Singh, now he's called Singh Watson. Um, so he has a double barrel name now. He found <laughs> Riverford 30 years ago. And here it says it's actually 50,000 customers a week that they sell a box of uh, vegetables, you know, fruit, uh, meat. Yeah. Uh, they also you can buy dairy, you can buy a lot of things. Um, and uh, so, so they have this pub here. So it's, I've, I guess, in terms of London, this is the original farm-to-table place to go. So I thought it would be great uh, uh, to go here. Yeah. I've had been here before, but only once. So I'm looking forward to come back. They have a menu that changes often. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can tell it's just seasonal. printed, right? Just on a printer back there. They, you know. Exactly. So, so we can see, for example, they have pheasant here because now uh, it's the fall. So fall season is game season. And um, uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to have some real seasonal good food here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, everything looks great. I mean, you're talking about a lot of proteins on All here. Right. Uh, cheers, guys. Cheers, yeah. guys. We got our pints. And we got, we got uh, British pints, guys. So just so you know, our American listeners, the British pint is four ounces more than the American pint, which I had no idea. I learned that coming to London here. Yeah, it's four ounces more. So, you know, I thought Americans were drinking more, right? I just thought we're just pounding bigger beers. But no, guys, we're behind. So um, what are you going to have, Patrick? Yeah, did you have a look at the menu? So let's see. Um, you know, they've got spice lentil and parsnip soup with homemade bread. I mean, come on, guys. Cauliflower salad with hazelnut and black garlic dressing. Delish. Uh, courgette and taligio. How am I saying that? So it's courgette and taligio. Taligio. Gratin. Okay. An autumn truffle uh, with a little bit of a salad. Uh, they got radicchio with beetroot and a pomegranate salad with uh, medita. And tahini and a black olive jam. Oof. Great, great, great stuff. You know, there yeah, they, it's, what's interesting about all of that, right? Like, all those, there's some different flavors. Like, we're bringing cultures together here, and I love that. That's really cool. And there's a lot of variety in a yeah. relatively limited menu. Exactly. exactly. It's, uh, ben, what do you think here? You're the chef. You know, um, like I said, uh, I like the pig's cheek. Yeah. But I'm also a big fan of saffron and risotto. Yep, yep. So I agree with you. It's, uh, yeah, it's that between looks those good, two. right? Yeah, it does. So we came out to London. Obviously, we do this in Texas, uh, but we came out to London. Basically, let's see how it compares. You know, Ben's out here in London. It's what he does with his show, too. So, you know, come out here and just see how things compare to Texas, right? Like, how, how similar is it? And I'm finding it's there are similarities, but there's also a lot of differences. But that, it should be that way, right? So what do you, that's that's interesting. So as a as a as a te native Texan who's been over here for quite a while, what what are those differences that you see? Um, I, you know, people drive on the left. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the biggest one. I've already, it's already scared me shitless plenty of time. Yesterday, last night on the way home, I looked up from my phone. Just and no whatever. one's driving the car. No, yes, <laughs> there was this car like coming at the lights, and I mean, it just threw me off. I thought we were gonna get hit. I mean, I just yeah. It, that is different. Um, yes, obviously we drive on the other side of the road. They drive on the wrong side of the road. And they here. say courgette instead of uh, zucchini. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, there you go. Um, you know, style of service, um, the food, just the way they look at the food. It is different here. You know, they, they do kind of style the food differently here, um, serving it to you. They mix a lot of flavors here. They'll mix a lot of cultures and stuff at a place, whereas maybe in America, at least in Texas specifically, it'll be a this rest genre restaurant, right? It's going to be this and, and that's it. Um, so I like that idea of you just don't know what you're going to get. It's not based off the name. It's not based off whatever, you know, and the history and the culture here. Guys, I went to a bar called the George Inn. It's from 1667, y'all. Are you kidding me? That's like crazy. That's Mayflower shit, right? That's like, that's crazy to me. That's just nuts. Uh, the old, one of the oldest bars in London. They're older than America. Well, and, and the reason it's one of the oldest bars is it would have been founded the year after the Great Fire. So. Ah, <laughs> they needed a place to drink. <laughs> they needed a place. You know, they're like, you damn, this fire was crazy, y'all. We need a pub. <laughs> um, <laughs> and what's cool about that pub, too, it leaned. Had this major lean to it, like, you know, House of Mirrors, right? It was like, 
it, and it fucks with you because if you're if you're six beers in, don't go to that bar. That's a that's your first drink bar. Like that's where you start a pub crawl. Don't end it there because you will fuck your mind up. So I'm, I'm sure Matthew, like you've been in the UK now for so many years. So so do you have any particular pubs or locals that you like? I mean, I know you, nowadays you don't live in London anymore, but like further north, but. Do you have any like uh, uh, pubs in London where you say, "Well, this is have some good memories there," or they are, they are special to you for some reason? Because yeah. the pub, the pub in the UK, I mean, they, people always used to say because they're the flats or the apartments are not very comfy, you know, and a bit like um, you know moldy and everything. So it's like the pub is like the living room, right? For, for many, especially for men, you know, there's a big culture of men coming together, you know, sharing a drink. Um, Some pubs nowadays have now even banned mobile phones to kind of restore some of that. You're right. I've seen that in a lot a chat, of places. You know? Yeah, you're right. Um, But then again, I, I don't. You know, nobody follows it. Like I'm, I'm sitting literally. I'm looking over to the right, and I see some dude underneath his jacket sending a tweet. You know, like <laughs> like Sebastian last night with this house we were at. You know, <laughs> you, were, you stood you were really, in the middle of a room. Yeah, you know, you're, you're kind of, we were supposed to be transported I'll back be honest, to the 18th century. That was century. punk rock. That was punk rock. Yeah, that house. Let's just talk about that house for a brief second. This is a, one of the coolest things I've ever been well, to well, in my let, life. Let, let, let Matthew answer the question first. Don't oh, you? so Sorry. what was the question again? <laughs> but, no, it was about uh, any yeah, favorite like, pubs. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think the the problem with the problem with drinking and pubs uh, and and large pints is that. Um, You don't really end up with too many memories. There, uh, you usually come home without uh, trying to figure out what did happen the, the night before. But uh, I, I think what you find is that what you're always looking for. Everyone always talks about you want to you want to find a good local, anyone who's maybe seen um, Shaun of the Dead. I think that is a very good illustration because that's that's what the pub. Even for newer generations, there's a lot of talk in this country about how pubs are are closing all the time. They're converting them into houses, this sort of thing. Oh, really? Um, Because more people are drinking at home. Yeah. But uh, and you can get soup, cheap beer in the supermarkets, sure. kind of thing. But I think it's 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 starting to come back, and it's pubs like this one, like the Duke of Cambridge. You want someone that's nearby that you can just walk outside your house. You're only two five two to five minutes away, um, and then you can um, y y where you can meet up with your friends yeah. and just. And, and it is, it's true, the pub is the center and has been the center of, of, of life. I mean, the equivalent is maybe even parts of the United States, it would have been the church or would have been other clubs. But here, it's always been the pub. To the point that they're having an election coming up, and they're even talking about putting polling stations in the pubs. That's hilarious. As a way of getting That's a hilarious. voter turnout. Well, listen, anytime you vote, you need a drink afterwards. <laughs> That's just... But you know what I like about this menu is that I like the shout out to the suppliers at the bottom. Yeah, there you go. So we already talked about River Ford Organic. Uh, there's also got Sarah Green's Organic Supply, but then there's the, the Rogue Estate in North Wales for the organic pork, lamb, and chicken. Yeah. And there's a great sign out, out front that shows where all their suppliers are based. So it's not even just the uh, south of England. I know, I think the game is coming from Yorkshire. Um, they're really sourcing from all over. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, I think it's such a great thing. Yeah. Uh, as, as someone who's even got children, Getting them back in touch with the reality of how food is sourced. Yeah. And you know, it's not just, you know, you're not just going to a supermarket and buying it, you yeah. know. This, there's farms totally. that have to produce this Absolutely. stuff. Let, let's order. Uh, ben, what, order what, are you having? what are you having? Can I have the uh, brined red wine pig's cheek? 
pig's cheek. Good choice. That's my nickname for him, by the way. I'm just... <laughs> uh, I'm Let's not get, go there. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get the uh, risotto. Squash and saffron risotto, please. See, this is the bad thing when you order. When someone else gets the same thing you are going to order, you always, you always feel like, now i got to get something else. That's why I try to yeah. order first. But, uh, <laughs> but you know what? I am going to be a copycat this time, and I am going to go with the risotto as no well. No worries. Yep. Oh, it looks delicious. I'm going to have the pheasant roulette, please. Yeah, uh, good what, call. what is this? Uh, a cavalonero? Uh, so it's between a spinach and a cabbage. Right. Can I have that as well, please, as a side? Interesting. Any other sides? They are like potatoes and Maybe just roots. some bread and olive oil? Oh, yes, if you can start with some bread and olive oil, yeah. Sounds great, yeah. I might try one of these desserts at the end. And I never get dessert, but they all look ridiculous. What is a typical, you know... British or London dessert. What what do you what what do you get for dessert? Like I think what? the things you have on here, like apple crumble, it would yeah. be would be typical. Yeah. yeah, that seems right. Usually with it says clotted cream here, but you also get a custard poured so on top. So is it a, is that what clotted cream is? A custard? Because um, I've never I, heard that before. Clotted cream. No, clotted cream is like a thick cream. I mean, okay. it's like a. Um, Something you would have with scones. Okay, okay. Some people, it's funny, some people, do you say scone or scone? Some people here say scone, some people say scone. Oh, I never heard scone. And we just moved up north, and my children have been told that the difference in the pronunciation depends on whether it's a sweet scone or it's a savory. And savory meaning spicy or yeah, cheesy yeah, kind totally. of thing. Salty. Uh, but yeah. I can't keep that straight. I just call them scones. But they yeah. do, my own children are saying scones and, how did you say it? As a scone. Scone. I know scone. in Scotland they scone. Scone. Yeah. So, so, so Matthew cool. moved up north, you know, and the north of England is a bit rough. I mean, so they look down on the people in the south. Really? Yeah. No, it's that sounds like way. America too, yeah, right? No, 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 no. It's, it's flipped around. It's flipped around, Sebastian. <laughs> the people in the south have always looked down on the north. They just think they're a bunch of uh, uh, rubes, basically. Uh, you know. Ain't no dukes up north. Yeah, no, no, I, no. You know, somebody once told me from the north, ah, there's Shandy drinking Southerners, you know? Well, yeah. Well, that is the difference. You know, you, that's me. Yeah. I'm a South, I would be a Southie there because yeah. I love Shandies. Yeah, yeah, so no, there, there would be that. Uh, you're not ordering, you're, you're not going, drinking you, Shandies down you're there. You're not going into a pub in, in North Yorkshire and asking for a Shandy. Really? No, 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 no. no, no. Like, you, need, you need a good. And now dark. I want to do it. Now I want to do that. Well, if, you can come, if you go and we I'm go American, to, they'd be like, okay, right? Yeah, what they well, just that's say. probably what they would say. Just so he doesn't, he'd be surprised you even knew what a Shandy was. Yeah. Probably, but then, but then I would be there, and I would have to order something like a stout or something just to <laughs> just balance, to really just bad. to make sure that yeah. they know we're we're not. Give a bunch me that of, bottle uh, of whiskey too. Yeah, like, you know. It's like being yeah. the only gay in the village. Yeah, exactly, you know? <laughs> you're, just, you're screwed. Right? Yeah. 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 In more ways than one, but yes, it's. Uh, um, but I think I think what you got there too is I mean, and what I like about it is I'm in a city, but. I less than 10, 15 minutes away from countryside and yeah. farms. And before we even moved up, we stayed on a farm uh, for one one of our vacations. And the kids loved it because you could see they could. It was a working farm, and yeah. you'd see that they bring the sheep and the cattle and totally. everything. And that's so, cool. And my kids don't have any qualms about the fact that you got to go kill that thing. Yeah, you know, if so you want to put, put okay. meat on the table, you know. That's, that's interesting, Matthew. Yeah. Should we dig deeper into that? Oh my <laughs> yeah. God, what's going well, on? I think they get it from their <laughs> grandmother. 
brothers. Uh, do their pets go missing often? <laughs> <laughs> Only when my one son. Do at the home. neighbors' no. pets go missing often? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, yeah. have you seen uh, Mary Bell's cat? I don't know where it is. Well, like, what was that we had last night for dinner? Because <laughs> yeah. of swarm, we had three fish in this tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? That's hilarious. But that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. I yeah. mean, so that is. I mean, I think that's so important. You know, for yeah. growing up, so that yeah, that right. children learn um, the connection yeah. between where food comes yeah. from. Yeah. I mean. Because it, it, I think, and we talked about this in one of our other videos, um, this what we call food literacy. Yeah. yeah. Understanding actually Great of um, nutrition and where food comes from. And uh, otherwise, uh, yeah. this is kind of crucial if you want to live a healthy lifestyle and, and eat consciously in, in whatever way you want to eat, but at least um, eat consciously. And I, I completely agree. And I think I just think of things that my these stories my mother would tell about how all her her dad and her uncle. This So my mother's from Texas outside of just north of Waco, a little uh, Czech German community up there. And all her uncles and her dad would get together once a year, do the butchering, make the sausages get all that done and that's, that's awesome. not, and that's not stuff that was getting passed down yeah, yeah. It, it stopped with my mother's generation and, it, and so we just heard stories totally, about it totally but it sounded but you know in retrospect you said it would have been so cool to have something like that where the family was all getting together to do stuff like that absolutely you know absolutely and i find this this actually is, it's quite interesting um and i think this is a good very good place to tell this um so when we had these, when we had, I, because I had this farm box coming yeah, yeah, for like exactly. several, um, I mean, almost two years, yeah? Really? But yeah. it completely changes the way that you yeah. cook because normally yeah. what you would do is you would essentially say, okay, what do I want to do for dinner tonight, yeah. right? So I go yeah. to the grocery store and buy things for dinner. This is completely different. So you say, okay, what do I have in the box? Yeah. This what week, what do I have in yeah. the box in the week? So totally. what are the recipes that yeah. I'm cooking? Yeah. Yeah. And for example, Amy, couldn't handle it, right? So she she didn't know it was overwhelming for her. You have all that stuff, <laughs> yeah. now you have yeah. to do something with it. Totally. So it changes really the perception. And I know Ben, you know, um, he was still living at home when we had this. So what did you think about the, the farm box and all that? What was your experience with it? You find it difficult sometimes, I think. Um, me, no one is here. I was uh, the opposite, really. The uh, biggest issue I have with cooking is coming up with something. So if someone sets a set of ingredients in front of me, I find it much easier to yeah, I agree. come up I'm, with something. I'm with you. I actually agree with that. I mean, I think the, the thing about the box, I agree as well. I mean, what was always a because we've done it a few times as well. You, the, the challenge is always get, especially in this country, when you get one of these root vegetables you've never heard of. Totally. And you're like, what do you do with what it? What the hell do you do yeah, with yeah. this Look, thing? Everything gets cooked the same way, thing, yeah, basically. Yeah. You know, but you what, boil stuff, you roast stuff, you, you saute yeah, yeah. stuff, <laughs> exactly. you grill stuff. It's like, it, it doesn't you matter. You, you just trim from, it. You just fry it. Yeah, yeah. you just trim it and you start going with it. I mean, you know. But what it is good, and and something that, I mean, even if I'm doing supermarket shopping, you try to replicate is this idea that you're eating seasonal food. Because sure. I think that's what people have lost. People have sure. gotten used to having strawberries year round. Yeah. You've good got, point. You know, that's you get a good point. Things. But, you know, if I'm only going to buy apples from, you know, apples best, you know, if I don't want to buy them from New Zealand and South Africa, there's only a certain time of year they're really the, going to find get them. them. And Absolutely. that's going to be about this time of year yeah. on, for the next few months. Sorry to interrupt you, Matthew. It's the right. waiter just handed me this. It says Hell's Lager. So it's basically just a, um, it's a limited edition. This is about the beer we're drinking, guys. It's from P Puri, 
Brewery. Right? Am I saying that right? And, and pronounce, pronounce, try to pronounce this. Yeah, yeah, oh my just... gosh, here we go, guys. Warwickshire. Uh, not no? a bad attempt. Warwickshire. 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 Oh. Warwickshire. That's like Worcestershire. Yeah, it's like that. Right? We hate idea. that word in America. Yeah, we yeah. hate that word. That's like my nightmare when I'm sleeping, just that word over me, just floating. If, if that's all you're worried, if that's all you're worried about, I, look, I think you're I lost you're my ninth grade spelling bee on that word. Worcestershire. It's a nightmare for me. You know, I was like W-E. So I had said, I, I, had, I had erroneously said that it's a local beer, but it's not. So yeah, it's like correct. from a microbrewery, but not, not from London. No, it says it's a limited edition Hellstyle lager produced in partnership with our friends at Bay Rowther Brahos, part of the Maisels family. Not sure, but it's an organic beer, which is really cool. 5% alcohol. It's delicious. Yeah, and this, right? this, this Hellas style is something you see quite a, quite yeah. a lot around here. It's a really... Hey, look, it's coming out of a cave. This is a really drinkable beer, you know. This is one you could just have like 10 of these and no problem, you know. Well, I think that's the plan. Yeah, I think that is the plan. <laughs> you just keep it floating. Yeah, Actually, yeah. it's got a great cloudiness to it that I like yeah. uh, in the beer. So it's probably... See what we got here. See what we got here. Um, some homemade bread, guys. It... Oh, my God. Homemade yeah. bread just sliced up. And honestly, just the way they sliced it is different than I would ever slice bread. So that alone is different. Uh, right, I would never slice bread like this. I've never seen it sliced like that either. What is that? And like a very, like a very kind of old-fashioned enamel metal plate. Yeah, yeah the plate is super, you know, rustic. It's like a farmhouse. It's like you're literally well, out in the farm in a barn eating. That's well, what this feels like. And, and all the tables, tables right? Yeah, yeah. The tables are all farmhouse style. All farmhouse style. Um, everything. The the water, right? The water pitcher. The everything about this. Um, the bread's delicious. They make this yeah. here. It's soft. It's fresh. Great crust. Great color. Got the nice planked wood floors. It's just a very... Because mm -hmm. when I first moved to this country, every pub would have had this god-awful carpet. Uh, really? Usually. And, yeah, usually. That it sounds was, horrible. Uh, and, and like fruit machines, what they call fruit machines. Oh, in these the little... 70s? What are they? Car what? No, it, well, it was like going back in the 70s, but that yeah. was early early 2000s. I'm not, yeah. I mean, I'm not that that's old. Crazy. You know, I mean, I'm old, but not that no. old. No, I, uh, meant, but, like, but, that's, <laughs> I meant what you said. <laughs> but um, I mean, but I you think, are old now. Let's just get am, down the way. No, no, I'm, I'm joking. joking. I'm joking. Table, but, I'm uh, joking. Um, but, uh, Do no, we get a senior discount? I'm just, can we have some waiter? I was hoping waiter? for a, uh, what do they the call them, a blue plate or blue light special? Yeah. yeah, yeah could. Well, they had to make room for your walker over there, dude. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Oh, I thought my, well, my mobility scooter was <laughs> yeah. uh, not charged up, so God. I had to. Uh, Half the dining room is taken up. <laughs> <laughs> they call them Zimmer frames in this country. How, how good, <laughs> just so you know. But how good is this bread, y'all? How good is this bread, y'all? Well, I haven't had a chance to talk, you to try it, because I've been oh, my talking bad. my ass off. I'm sorry. Here, well, we'll, we'll get it blended up for you so you can get yeah. it down. You know uh, what? They have that in Japan. <laughs> Do they? They have blended food. That's that's the future. That's the future? For all this age. <laughs> I don't know. I guess the Blade Runner future. Like, I don't know what kind yeah, of future no, I, I mean, all this, uh, we're all an aging societies, and they're just, they actually have wider aisles in their supermarkets because everyone's <laughs> on mobility scooters. <laughs> And they have food that's already ground up. So you, people, bought, a, so you bought a plane ticket last night. Yeah, you're exactly. Ready. I'm like, this is, this is my world. Get over there. Yeah, this is my world. I love it. <laughs> the bread is spot on, man. This is like really good bread. I've had nothing but good bread here, honestly. This is maybe the best bread I've had in a while. That's, wow. that's lovely. Yeah. 
It's soft. Soft. Structure's well, good. To me. Yeah. It is a bit of a sourdough, like, isn't it? What makes this bread good, right? Yeah, it's a bit of a sourdough. Well, they probably need it, right? Mm -hmm. they, Look, they just... probably got a starter that has age to it. They've passed this starter down. That's my opinion. Mm. Like, they're not using a fresh starter. They've probably got a 50 to 100-year-old starter. That's what can make this stuff taste good. You know, what do you think, Ben? Right? Starters, you get the right starter. That's what makes bread. That stuff gets handed down from generations. I had a friend out of California that used a 150-year-old starter. And what do you mean by starter? For, for us uh, Cretans here, what, like do, you, what do you mean by just the yeast? It's you got to keep it alive. And you keep it going. And then you pull some off of it. And it just stays and stays and stays. Oh, man. It's alive. You know, they may, um, can make bread out of yeast. They found buried in Egyptian tombs in Egypt. That is awesome. They found yeast in there. That and they made bread using it. Amazing. How much really? would you pay to have Egyptian tomb yeast bread? I mean, that, that sounds incredible. I don't even have a joke yeah. for that. That just sounds no, amazing, I, I, right? I was, that sounds I was hoping you did. I did it. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah. Like, I can't even imagine that. Well, one, I would be a little worried about the healthiness of this, you know? Like, how old is this? Is a couple thousand years, guys? Like, Yeah, am I going to start twitching? Yeah. <laughs> I would definitely let someone else eat it first. You know, if That's he, a good point. If he lived... Uh, yeah. if he lived yeah. No problem. I mean, it's the same with honey, though. Yeah. Sort of, because they found honey buried with uh, Cleopatra and things. Really? Like, uh, like mead, too. I didn't know that. Yeah. They found honey buried honey with Cleopatra? Honey is the only food that never expires. Wow. I did not know that. We just learned something, guys. Honey never expires. You know, so if your significant other is about to throw the honey out because they think it's gotten totally past its nope. sell-by date. No, nope. doesn't. No, nope. doesn't nope. go. No, that, that's interesting. You can ruin honey uh, by like putting it in the fridge. Sure. Because like in cold temperatures, it will crystallize. Got you. Got you. So once it's reached a certain whatever texture, so you can't go back on it, right? Like freezing something, right? You, you, you've fucked up the chemical structure of it and it's, it's done good, for. I mean, that's an interesting one because when I, you know, when, before I came to this country, I thought honey was honey. But if you go to a supermarket <laughs> style, a supermarket even in this country, there's like, I've never seen so many different types of honey. Yeah. And you've got the kind that's like is set honey, so you can use it as a spread. You've got all the different kinds of, um, well, obviously, well, depending on which flower, flowers yeah. they use. For uh, the the problem with all the honey, though, um, a lot of it isn't real honey. It's half of it is honey, maybe. But um, the demand for honey in the world is uh, much uh, higher then the bees can produce. So countries like China uh, make synthetic honey out of synthetic other honey. complex sugars. Yeah. So it's like so a mix of honey and sugar, honey. honey and syrup. Yeah. No, so, you may not be eating honey. So that cheap honey I've been buying from well, that's wherever not the solution. The solution is more bees. Let, yeah, let's get the you know and the bees. We need to get the bees fucking. You know that's the problem. <laughs> well, We're obviously I, I not creating an environment <laughs> to where they feel comfortable doing that you know maybe we just need to open up some brothels in these bee houses i don't and think there's need, a lack of willingness we there. need to I get think, some I, it's, um, I don't know it's that's more crazy about opportunity I, I think is is has been the problem with that's but i was surprised i mean we were when we were building our own um texas real food business directory how many honey businesses there are in texas yeah, i mean i can't remember figure now but yeah um, really are. i have a friend who has a bee she does bees that just personally right she has like six or ten of those um i don't even know what that's called that thing you pull out of the you know it's like a uh, yeah, box that it's got yeah i don't yeah. know what that that's called but yeah yeah but it's in uh, it's incredible um there's little boutique um 
you know, this little boutique um, uh, honey manufacturers. Uh, it's, it's very interesting anyway because um, in, in Texas there's this um, cottage, I think it's called, um, well, there's this particular small food uh, manufacturer law. Um, where they say if your revenues are, I think it's below 50,000, that you don't need any special permits. You can just sell the food that you produce, right? Yeah. Mm. No, it's, oh, it's the called the... Uh, yeah, no, it's called the... Um, you, you got it right. It's just the, co like the cottage house law or something like that. The cottage something law. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you, you can cook out of your own home, bake some stuff. You know, yeah, that's how a lot of people start off before they actually sell their products in stores and stuff. You know, they're going to sell it at farmer's markets and, you know, at a party or something or an event yeah they, they cook it at home and, and get it out yeah for sure would y'all ever do let's say some you know would y'all ever do any bee farming would that be ever something that interests you because i'm i'm actually fascinated by that um to go out there and deal with them and they i'm just scared of the biggest yeah bitten, you know? so, yeah uh the great thing about honey is i think it has the highest um profit turnover because it's very cheap to sure. get and maintain them and since real honey is scarce so you can make some money doing yeah, that. It's the biggest margin, you think, yeah? Yeah, you said it has a good uh, sales margin. Good right sales on. margin, Well, yeah. now you're talking my, my language, you know, numbers, baby. Boom. Yeah, you want uh, good that. sales margin. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that either. Uh, but that makes sense. If the demand is high, the supply is low, that's it. Our food just showed up, guys. This looks awesome. Everything looks amazing. Matthew and I got the uh, risotto. Yeah. Um, actually, what I the first I don't know about you, but the first thing that stands out to me about this risotto is yeah. the dish they serve it in. Oh. This is typically not a dish I would ever serve risotto in, or I've ever seen served risotto in. It's usually it's got a little bit of depth to it. A little bit more depth. Yeah. yeah. But I like this a lot. Mm. It'd be more like uh, yes, maybe Ben's that dish. Plate. Yeah. Yeah. Look at yours, uh, Ben, you want to describe that? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, we got some kale here, some red cabbage. I love uh, red cabbage. The pork cheek that you can just cut with a fork. That looks so soft. Yeah, and um, some squash puree. So looks, looks I mean, good. look at the Lots colors, color. right? Yeah, even the colors look amazing. The presentation's beautiful. So uh, bon appetit. Sebastian, what do you got over there? Well, I'm having a roulette, so a roulette is like a pâté. Um, so this is a pheasant roulette with um, toast uh, melba and um, some salad. And there's some piece of beets there. And also some, um, uh, some green vegetables. I think it's like a little bit like kale or cabbage uh, on the side. Yeah, it looks beautiful. It looks delicious. It really does. The presentation's does. very yeah, nice. Right, the presentation's The color amazing. on this is amazing. Yep. The saffron. Because you eat with your eyes, right? Like that's half it's, it's of eating. all the senses we should be bringing all into All of the it. senses, yeah, 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 good right. point. I'm gonna take a bite, guys, on the air. I got this. You got it? I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a bite and give you guys a first impression. So I can see a little bit of cheese on here too. Crumbled, looks like soft. It's a sheep's uh, cheese, I think. A sheep cheese, yeah, that makes sense. Perfectly cooked risotto. Mm. Saffron jumps out right away. Also gives it that beautiful color. Yeah. All right. Spot on. See, I'm already Spot talking on. British. Yeah, there you go. Spot on. Cheerio. This is quite delicious. Mmm. So how's oh yours, my. Sebastian? Oh Very my nice. God. Sorry, that's so nice. A little bit gamey, not too much. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And Ben, how's the pork cheek? Pig, pig's cheek. Pig's cheek. Sorry. Right? Pig's cheek, yeah. Pig's cheek, yeah. Uh, it doesn't feel like meat. Yeah, um, 
comes apart in your mouth. Lovely. And uh, it's uh, quite sweet too. Your, the presentation on your dish is phenomenal. Honestly. It's got a nice crunch too. Yeah, it's got yeah, some like got, crunchy exactly. crumbs. Yeah, they're working with the textures. Like they know what they're doing over here. Yeah. Not, not only are they providing good sourced food because that's the first battle, guys. Anybody can get stuff from farms, but then it's what you do with it and present it to you, right? Mm. They're they're running the whole show here perfectly, guys. Mm. I mean, I'm super impressed with this. So, Patrick, you've been like in other European countries. Um, so, how, what do you think about the food compared um, in, in the UK compared to other countries you've been to in, in Europe? Yeah, um, you know, I lived a few years in Spain and... Um, The food there is, it's, you know, it is different. I mean, it's different. You know, sort of small, tapas style. You're kind of eating a bunch of things at the table and everybody's sharing, right? Instead of maybe just having your own dish. That's, that's probably the biggest difference I felt of eating there. Um, that communal, you know, way of eating. Um, I like that a lot. It, the flavors are just different. They're, they're very, Spanish people are very, you know, they let the ingredients speak for itself. You know, whatever they serve, it's just, it's a, it's a great sourced whatever. They give it to you very simply prepared and you're just supposed to savor the naturalness of whatever it is. And I, I like that a lot about Spanish cooking. Now they will get into flavors. You get paella, you can get some, um, some stews, you know, um, um, you know, the blood sausage, like you, you can get some intense uh, flavors. Um, but yeah, it's, it's more just letting the ingredients speak for themselves. And in here they're, they're about using some flavors, you know, here in London and bringing you some, again, they, the, the cultures get all mixed yeah, it's here a, it's and a I love that. City. Yeah. I yeah. love that so much. I mean, we're at a farm to table place that you would think would just be serving maybe traditional London food. Yeah, but they're not, they're, they're, they're not. And I love that. I, I, I truly, truly love that. Patrick, um, the, the food truck that you run, did you run that after being in Spain or before? After. And what, what did it sell, the food truck? Spanish. Oh, really? Yeah, cool. came back into Spain. I love Spain and Spanish food so much. Like tapas. Just, or, exactly. Oh, great. How, well, how did that go? And we how actually, did they, what did they say the text instead? You know, look, it was called Boca, so we did Bocadillos. But we also had tapas, right? Bocadillo in Spain is just a sub-sandwich, just a, you know, sub-sandwich. So... That's what we sold sandwiches out of the food truck and a few tapas. Um, yeah, it definitely was completely inspired by the Camino and living in Spain and, and bringing that food back. One, because Austin and parts of Texas, they don't serve a lot of Spanish food there. They don't even know what Spanish food is. They think it's Mexican. I think that's the confusion. People But what think did they say to you, Spanish food? I mean, what was the, what was the reception? Great. They loved, loved it. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It definitely helped um, having lived there and kind of know what flavors to give people. <clears throat> what was the reason that you stopped doing it? You know, just came too much for me. Um, honestly, you know, I did it five years and anybody that's run a food truck or a restaurant or whatever, you know just how hard it is and how oh, much hard work. Like hundred hour weeks and stuff. Exactly. Mm. I mean, just intense. And, you know, you're doing a lot of the work yourself as an owner, you know. I mean, yeah, we expanded. We we're doing catering. You know, we had a couple locations. I even had a, a brick and mortar for a while where I rented out a kitchen in a bar and, you know, got to serve out of it. And it was, you know, it was great. Uh, but, yeah, it just became a lot of, of work. And, and sometimes things just take their course. You know, a, a particular concept takes its course and it's done. It's, 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 it shouldn't be around anymore. Like, it's time to move on to something else. Have other ideas, other passions that I want to explore. You know, and that and the reason that I left it is the reason I started it. 
Right. The same re- a passion, right? To move on to something else to do. Another part of the food industry, because I love the food industry so much that I want to be in every part of it. I eventually want to work, you know what I mean? I've worked, I've had every job in a restaurant you could ever have, times 10, so, you know. But now coming on the other side, going, exploring, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Matthew, why don't you tell us about your podcast, Factual America, right? Yeah, Factual called? America. So for people who are wondering what, what's the point of the, na- of the name, it's not some sort of uh, reaction or uh, agreement with, with, with Trump or anything like that. It's just uh, factual refers to, um, uh, factual is a term in the film industry for uh, documentaries and sort of nonfiction work you know, shorts and full uh, feature-length films. And so it's part of uh, Almo Pictures, is a new production company, London-based, but uses, um, is specializing in documentaries about the United States from a European perspective. And the podcast uh, examines American themes through the lens of documentary filmmaking. So uh, it's first season. We haven't even we haven't launched yet. We will be in a few months' time. But we've been bringing um, people in, various uh, filmmakers, um, their subjects, even some subject matter experts, um, to talk about things that uh, I, I mean, people in uh, in the states may not realize. That, you know. Certainly, people in Europe and, and around the world have sort of preconceived ideas about what makes America unique, and sometimes they're they're correct, but sometimes I think they maybe have gotten the wrong end of the stick a little bit, and we just need to. Uh, we're just we're not trying to proselytize. I think we're just saying, look, let's look really at reality. What's the truth here, in terms of uh, what's going on? And uh, so it's been a lot of fun. We've had some great guests on, and um, yeah, watch this space. We'll be uh, we'll be launching in the next uh, few months. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, uh, Louis Thoreau, who's I think he's a dual citizen, actually. He you is. know, so he brings right like the perspective of what America or Europeans think about America, right? Like, which. I, let's be honest. Probably not very good. A lot of times, right? Well, like, not you know a what? good we're impression. We're all Bible thumping. Yeah, you know, cowboy racist rednecks who uh, vote for people like Donald Trump yeah, and uh, sure. want to want to blow up the world. Yeah. You know, kind of. I yeah. mean, that's an extreme sure. stereotype. We're like generals of the world, right? Like we just got our foot everywhere and. Yeah, we kind of just uh, uh, finger I mean, in every pot. Yeah, we got to get involved. We put our nose in things that we maybe sure, shouldn't, sure. and uh, throw our weight around. And yeah. uh, and I think people are very. At the same time, it's it's kind of very very interested. It's uh, it in the states and so, uh, so the idea in factual America, right? You just want to explore the different nuances yeah. of what those thoughts may be yeah. right like all the different nuances and are, are there things that could only happen in the u.s i mean we had we've had one session looking at um um the inventor the uh, the, the theranos you the, know yeah, uh, yeah. elizabeth holmes and and that whole thing in uh, in silicon valley and it's you know the discussion was is that something that would only happen in the u.s yeah why wouldn't that happen in london sure you know i mean we've got entrepreneurs here sure we've could got that startups. happen could it happen here yeah and you know you can d- disagree, but you know, the, sort of the conclusion we reached was that no, this is a very unique. There's an American mentality that serves Ameri- the United States well, but that leads to things like sure, Elizabeth Holmes making everything up. Sure, you know, for because what, what is know, that thing? What is that that thing you're talking about? That makes a, well, I think this entrepreneurial spirit, this idea that. Um, 
a lack of you know limitations. I can go from nothing I can to be, this. I can right? be. I can be a recent immigrant, or I can be from poorest of the poor, and I can. You know, it, it, take the, over. It used you know. to be you, anyone can be the United President of the United sure, States, sure. or anyone can be a captain so like of the industry. American dream, basically. It, it is, is the sort of American dream. What you're getting at, and here. I, I think, and, and let's be honest. It's 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 much more gray than that. Uh, you of know, course, you know. Of course. I mean, a lot of people have pursued the American dream and it hasn't worked out. Absolutely. But, uh, but there are also a lot of success stories. I mean, Sebastian 100%. sees it a lot in his in his day to day work. Yeah. So, um, I think it does work. It, the reason people go to do it is because there have been success stories. Yeah. It works. Yeah. It's it's yeah. Yeah, and I think in, in that one particular documentary, I think what was interesting is they're drawing parallels to Thomas Edison. So what a lot of people may not realize is that Thomas Edison was f sort of faking results himself when he was trying to get the light bulb invented. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, and because he was he that needed bastard. to impress investors, he needed money to get. Yeah. Now he no, knew that makes sense. he knew he, he could knew get it, 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 could work. it could work. He just didn't had totally. gotten it to work yet. Yeah. So that's the big difference between him and I did that in know. my first band with my mixtape. You know, <laughs> like guys, the, the, this is going to work. I know. What it'll was the name work. of that band? Uh, Red Hot. Chili mini peppers. peppers. Oh, mini peppers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think with Fact America, um, there's real, there's a real desire, you know, in the in Europe to learn more about America, and I think I'm sure some of that is related to the election of Donald Trump 2016. Sure. I mean, it's sure. I mean, I mean, I think I read comments recently by. Um, editors in the United States, so of American kind of um, broadcasting networks. For them, this is the greatest thing ever, right, to happen, that president, because like you got news 24 hours, you know? Yeah. I mean, you got. Because uh, he's tweeting 24 You got show hours, 24 yeah. hours. So, I mean, yeah. and of course, this is also in the. Uh, this caused a lot of curiosity here um, in Europe. I mean, politics was always boring, even American politics. <laughs> Still, people are interested here, right? Um, but this is like, um, so, so people here wonder, how can this happen? Why do people vote for, the, for, for a person like this? How can he be in power? Will he be reelected? You know, what is the establishment going to do against them? So, and then there's a whole, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a host of other things um, that, that are interesting then in terms of culture and everything. So I, I think if anything, the demand for information, uh, factual information about America is growing. So I think your, your podcast comes you know, right in time. But I also think there's you know, a perspective too that Americans are very curious about Europe as well. True. I really think um, a lot of, I do think a lot of Americans are very curious about Europe and what it's about um, for sure. Not, I don't, maybe not as much as the other way around because Americans do feel very, we're kind of stuck in a bubble a little bit, you know? Yeah, but you know, I think when I first moved here, you know, I'd get people throw stats to, at me like, uh, well, I hear only a quarter of Americans have passports. You guys are just so insular. And you're like, well, you don't realize. First of all, who knows weird stats like that? Yeah, I know. Who, well, who but, just like, well, I don't, what I, exactly. Hell? And why do they, you know, oh, welcome to my country. I'm going to start yeah, going off what? on you because. 28% you, you, of America. What the <laughs> hell? I mean. But, but the thing is, you know, you're just like, well, wait a minute. At that point, you didn't need. You only needed a driver's license to get to Canada and Mexico. Yeah. So you, why, you know, as, as I told them, if you only needed, if you didn't need a passport to get to Spain, the stats would be exactly the same in the, in the UK. Yeah, yeah. You know, a good point. 
So um, I think that's the kind of stuff that you you, yep. you come across. Sure. Um, just like I don't know, maybe what do what, I mean? What's your what is your view? What do you? How do you think? Um, how do Americans see Europe? I mean, they see it as what very fancy, right? Like yeah. fancy, like oh, classy. You you know, you're in Europe. It's classy. It's fancy. Everybody's drinking wine with their with their pinky up, and yeah. you know, they all know the Queen somewhere. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, they're they're all riding around on yachts and um, very fashionable. I think that's what a lot of people think about Europe. It's just fashionable, you know, in you know whatever that that sort of thing. Just classy, just fashionable. Unless they're talking about the French, then it's like, oh, they you know, smelly people, uh, dirty, uh, you know, weird. It's kind of weird. It's only uh, in reverse. Yeah, kind it's of kind thing. of strange yeah, you know. um, in that in that sense. Um, but yeah, I think that's the general idea that ha people have about Europe uh, back home if they've never been. Just oh, that's classy. That's you know that that's what it is. But do you think they're thinking about Europe, or are they thinking more more now about Asia and other places? I don't know. You know? That's a good question. About Asia, I don't know. I think a lot of people in America want to go to Asia. Yeah. That's what I hear all the time. Like I want to travel to Thailand. I want to yeah. go to Vietnam. I want to go to Japan. I want to go to Hong Kong. You know, I want to go to North Korea. That's not gonna happen. Um, you know, for some reason, I don't know why. Because I think a point you made earlier is about the the, the, the variety of the menu yeah. and how the mixing of flavors and things. absolutely. I mean, if 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 you started getting more, you know, let's say Texans, more Texans starting to go to places like Thailand and Vietnam yeah. and things like that, it, it'll be interesting if those those tastes come back with them. Well, and they, they do. And, 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 uh, I mean, I know, you know Vietnamese restaurants exist yeah. in in Texas. Actually, but, the common misconception yeah. about America is that we only eat one cer certain type of food, and there's only oh, yeah. this and that. The honest truth Very is. Good point. You know, where I'm from, it's probably one of the most diverse yeah. types of yeah. cities to get food in. I, I could get any type of food from any country where I'm from. Yeah. There's multiple restaurants of it, you know, because people immigrate to America. Yeah. Yeah. So there's actually a melting pot of food. Now, what they you might not see happen is that fusion, unless it's some big name chef who's trying yeah. to bring, you know, Korean and barbecue together and yeah. bop, do well, this, you know. So together. And that's fine. Yeah. But, yeah, the common misconception is, like, we only eat... Uh, chicken fried steak and, and and mashed potatoes every day, and that's not well, the well, case the, at all. The problem, I think you've raised a very good point because they don't even know about chicken fried steak here. Actually, they uh, it's usually I, I was at a company one time, and it, long story short, different parts of the company were supposed to bring a a cuisine to a Christmas party, and and someone had represent had to represent the U.S. and that group brought hot dogs. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding you not. This is at a well-known public... You never show uh, up to a party with wieners. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, or, or pub, yeah, exactly. And this is a, a well-known publication. I won't name the names, but, you know, it's like that was the sort of, oh, we got to do Americans cuisine, or they go to KFC and get a bucket of chicken. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's the yeah, kind yeah, of... Yeah, totally. And, and we do eat that, oh, but... Yeah, but that's not all we eat. I mean, in, in England, they're not just sipping tea... And I eating biscuits, you know. In fact, I haven't had a biscuit since I've been here, uh, to be honest with you. Um, you know, they do have a lot of fish and chips, though. So that is true. But we have a lot of hamburgers in America. So that is true. And pizza. And we do eat that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, but again, but you can go out and get Korean, Vietnamese, um, you know, uh, Indian, Ethiopian, uh, yeah, Pakistani, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, African, South African, 
um, Japanese, Chinese, you know, Latin America. Let's get into Latin America, Honduran, Colombian, uh, Mexico. I mean, look at all well, the types Mexico of food you can get. Because, I mean, I, I grew up in San Antonio. And you've it, got interior Mexico. Exactly. You've got coastal. You've got southern. You've got, like, you're right, I mean, uh, we Caribbean. Mean, we just had Tex-Mex, but then I remember there was this one restaurant that, special, you know, it was that different Mexican restaurant because yeah. it specialized yeah. in interior. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it is different. I mean, anywhere you travel, the country has different styles of food uh, within it, right? It doesn't matter where you are. I can tell you, if you ever go to Wash- go to Washington, D.C., though, you can guarantee you'll know which cuisines you're going to find because think of any place where the U.S. has had any military involvement. And they have that cuisine in, in Washington D.C. Yeah, yeah. That's you know, funny. I went to I went to um, I was once in D.C. and I went to um, they had a pet Texas barbecue joint there. You know, also where the way where they weighed the stuff um, <laughs> when they weighed the stuff, the meat that you ate, yeah. they sold it by the weight, how much yeah. it weighed. You know, yeah, yeah. that's I have two anecdotes to tell. The first anecdote was now I was amazed about this. They had my favorite beer, you know, which is Shiner Bock. Yeah. Shiner Bock. I, I, I know which restaurant you're talking about. Yeah, no, I, they, but cat- they catered my wedding, but that's another story. Right. Yeah. But the really interesting <laughs> thing was, the really interesting thing was, so I was standing there looking at the different meats they had, you know, and eyeing like a big piece. And then the guy at Chicago Meat said, Give me 20 bucks and I give you as much as you want, you Hell know? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Oh, and you gave him yeah, 40, like, I'll take what? everything. No, like, right? gave, like, no, so he, I mean, I gave him 20, and so he weighed, like, whatever, you know, totally. I mean, half a pound, yeah. but then whoo, stacked it on Bring there. Bring it on. I, mean, awesome. I was like, I mean, I didn't know what to say, you know, I was just surprised, <laughs> you know. In my opinion, Texas barbecue is the best barbecue in the world. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to throw it out there. Yeah, and Americans will fight over that. You got you know, oh, you know what I'm talking about. You got the North, you got Tennessee, you got North Kentucky, North Carolina. They're all going to say, no, no, no. Ours is the best. And the truth is they are all different. They yeah, do cook them different. different. It's, it's, Kansas City, said. right? I mean, exactly. you just, they're just, just different. It's just different. That's what I like about it, though. It's different. If we were all the same, what the hell? Yeah, I mean, here, I, here in the UK, you know, when you say barbecue, you, know, you, you would never have... This idea that you you have something there in the in the in the smoker like or in the on the grill for 24 hours like they haven't like in uh, Texas yeah. right it's basically it's like putting burgers you know five minutes but I mean interestingly enough um, I think Marks and Spencer they had like two or three years ago they Marks and Spencer is a, a British supermarket chain they shot an advert in the Austin area and oh. they had basically they sold some Texas barbecue food products yeah. you know and they. Um, had actually um, visited some of the Texas famous um, Texas barbecues like Lockhart and so forth, and they feature that in that um, in that advert. I'm incredible, yeah. you know. So. Because I think it is an education piece. Because what will happen is you'll you'll in, if you go to a sort of your standard, uh, or as they would say here, bog standard uh, supermarket, um, they'll have some. They'll call something Tex-Mex. Yeah, yeah. It has nothing to do with Texas or Mexico. In it, fact, it, it, the last like, podcast, of the, the, the episode before this guy's in yeah. the Lone Star Play, I explain where, what actually is Tex-Mex. Yeah. I mean, there's, and I mean, it's kind of like when I first moved here, you'd go, you'd walk by and there'd be a Texas fried chicken store. Well, let me ask shop, you this. You know, what do it, you think Tex-Mex means? It's probably wrong. I hate to say this. And most Texans are wrong, but they just don't know. Well, I think do you it's... Think tex, and do you think the Tex and Tex-Mex stands for Texas? Oh, you're going to say it stands for Tejano. It does. 
Okay. It does. It's, it just comes from the Tejano. So Tex-Mex can be from Arizona, New Mexico, California, Ooh, anything I find them from the south. Words almost. No, because it's, Tex is not from Texas. Yeah. It's from Tejano, and Tejano is a, was a people. Was like a, you know a group of people. So it's tough to say Texas. I, look, I'm a Texan first all the way. You know. It, the, but if you, I mean, it, if you get Tex-Mex from Arizona, it's going to taste. It's going to be different than. It should be different. Okay. Because it's a Southern style. But look, that's just a, m- a common misconception that yeah. a lot of people have. No, no, I'm not trying to co- you know? create, a, create no, no. an incident here. We, it, we get to. You know. Gonna... That, but that's just you know that's just how it is, right? Yeah. That's just. It, does it matter? Ow! Absolutely well, I think not. That's a good point. But I. But point. look, that's what this podcast is about, right? Yeah. To learn these little facts and these little things, and you just would have never known. You've been hearing Tex-Mex your whole life, and whatever. But that's that's the truth. That's that's what it is. It comes from a group of people who created a style of food, and they lived all in the South of America, mm-hmm. right? So that's where it comes from. It just gets stuck to Texas because of the TEX, but we're going to wrap up here. Um, and just, we're just going to conclude here with what everyone thought about their meals. So we'll just go around everybody and sort of give us the, the one, two punch of what you thought your, your meal was. Ben, we'll start with you. Yeah, it was so tender, so good. And now it's, um, great is the color because like the, uh, pumpkin or the squash puree was like a, a proper orange. Yeah. It wasn't yellow or anything. It was orange. Uh, red cabbage was very purple. And you can just tell, taste, texture, and color that it's yeah. Uh, organic. Yeah, I agree. On a scale of 1 to 17, what do you give it? 1 to 17. I'll give it <laughs> a 15. That's what I'm talking about. Boom. Okay. Guys, what are we thinking? Well, I think, um, so I had a, a pheasant roulette, uh, which is, um, yeah, it was good. Um, yeah, it was uh, nice, and it was the right size portion. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, not... Uh, uh, not too much, right for the season. So I would, I would look forward to have it again. That's what I was gonna. Yeah, would you order again? You would definitely order again, right, Ben? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think. Well, you're gonna talk about it because you've had the same thing I did. But uh, oh, that's well, but yeah. what I liked is it catered to all the senses. Totally. And I think it's something I would definitely order again. I would definitely recommend this place to people. Uh, my first time yeah. here, and I, I'm I'm very impressed. I'm gonna um, recommend this to Texans. It's yeah, a bit, he, look, it's a bit of a drive. Well, if you know, you, you can get here. Actually, it's not too bad. It's a bit too of bad a drive. Too, well, you thought it was a bit of a Just drive. Just set an yeah. afternoon aside. Yeah, but, but uh, no, I think it's uh, it's excellent. I would definitely get this again. And hundred percent. Yeah. Honestly, it was excellent. That's that's exactly so what I would you describe give it to. on your seventeen point scale. Uh, yeah, I would give mine a complete 17 i look i know i didn't yeah. finish my dish uh, i'm just Wait. full um but it was phenomenal um the char on my bok choy or i guess i don't know what that is bok choy i'm not sure i think it's more like a chicory or something like chicory yeah. yeah uh i'm not sure um but it's delicious the yeah. char on it um they put this like little yeah what is that uh, you know it kind of looks like a uh uh, furikake, which is like a Japanese spice mm. one that they put together with seaweed mm-hmm. and all that. It looks like that. Yeah. But it's very aromatic. It's got like oregano and stuff like that in it. Um, it was just really tasty and perfect. It was perfect. Yeah. So I would definitely give mine a 17. So that was it, guys. We all enjoyed our meal. Great. Right? Perfect. We would yeah. all come back. Definitely. Um, thank you for listening to the Lone Star Plate podcast, guys. Make sure to check us out. Um, all your favorite podcasts are heard. Definitely go to texasrealfood.com slash podcast. You can find out more about it. And just stay tuned. Subscribe. Thank you so much for listening. And we're so happy to come to London and be at the Duke of Cambridge. Um, (laughs) And we just enjoyed a phenomenal meal. Again, the very first certified organic pub in London. Beautiful, guys. 
Excellent. Uh, until next time.